Space Shuttle, this is Flight Safety. This podcast may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Please keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle while in motion. You are clear for launch. To the north, south, east, and west, four corners of the world. Greetings from the wild arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Well, folks, this will be our last episode of 2023. I will be taking a short break for the rest of December for the holidays, so the next episode after this one will drop sometime in January of 2024. We have had a spectacular year here on Fanfic Maverick. This is the year I decided to do a little experiment and ask for folks to come forward and volunteer to be on the show. I put up the bat signal, I lit the fires of Gondor, and you all answered in droves. We had so many people volunteer, actually, that I ended up with a pretty impressive waitlist that we are still trying to get through. <laughs> so thank you so much to everyone who volunteered and participated this year. Meeting and talking to all of you was a pleasure and a privilege. We ended up having a lot of volunteers from the Harry Potter side of fandom. So a lot of Harry Potter ships and fics were featured this year, which was fantastic. Because of that, I thought it would be quite fitting to end 2023 with a Snary-themed holiday episode. That's right. Of all the Harry Potter ships in all the world, Snary has my heart, and it's the one I can't shut up about. I have the best Snary co-host with me today. You all know her as Dan Puff on AO3. She has appeared several times on Snapchat podcast and Care of Magical Shippers podcast. She has been here on FFM several times. Welcome back to Fanfic Maverick, Danny. Hello, hello. Oh, good to be Hello. here. I am so excited that you're here. Any excuse to talk to you like this and just jabber on about Snary is like my favorite thing ever. So mine too. <laughs> That's why I'm forever like, um, so like if you ever want me back, like let me know. <laughs> I'm totally chill about it. Totally chill I know about it. always. It's one of those things where like, I wish we could do way more Snary episodes, but then I'm like, it's not fair to everybody else who doesn't like it and blah, blah, blah. So every now and then I decide to throw a bone to all of us Snary folks out there because I love Snary and it makes me so happy to talk about it. So me too. Right. And I just thought, okay, it was kind of Harry Potter year this year. So we have to end on Snary, of course. Have to, have to. And you know, because this is your podcast, you deserve to have fun and you deserve Snary at least once a year. You can bring me on once a year because, you know, I am always down to talk Snary with my friend. Well, thank God. Thank God for that, because nobody <laughs> in my real life wants to talk about Snary. In fact, Danny, funny story. Yesterday, my sister came over to my house, right? She's getting married. I am officiating in her wedding. So we had to talk about wedding stuff yesterday. And then she starts asking me about the podcast. And she's like, oh, how's that going? And I was like, good. We're having a special episode tomorrow that I'm recording with my friend Danny. And she goes, oh, what's the episode about? And I was like, oh, it's just about a really special ship in Harry Potter. And she looked at me, you know, with that look in her eyes, like, mm, okay, there's something juicy here that you're not saying. 
And she goes, okay, well, tell me more. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So then I had to end up like spending 15 minutes explaining Snary to her. And you know what she said after she laughed for a full five minutes? She stopped and she was like, you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, it does. Right? It does. It does. And she's like, yeah, I can totally see that. And she was like, oh, and that age gap thing is so interesting because of the, you know, generational differences and stuff. And I was like, uh, yeah, there's so much here that makes sense about this show. So even my sister, who knew nothing about Snary before yesterday, thinks that Snary makes total sense. So um, kudos to my sister for that. (laughs) Good job, sister. Very wise. Um, so we are recording this episode on uh, today is November 26th. So we just came out of the Thanksgiving holiday season for the folks here in the United States. I have right in front of me this ginormous mug of eggnog, <laughs> spiked eggnog. Uh, do you have your holiday drink? I have water. <laughs> well, you know what? I always like to say that water goes with everything. So water can be festive. It's totally fine. I gotta say hydrated at all times. Also, I forgot that we were doing eggnog today. So I just got my water. But probably that's for the best. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, you'd just be listening to me slurp on my eggnog the whole time. And no one wants that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? People are totally going to hear me slurp. In fact, if you hear weird bumping noises in the background, that's just me putting down my giant mug of eggnog back onto the desk here in the studio. So just (laughs) ignore it, guys. Don't mind me. Do a shot every time you hear her mug hit the table. (laughs) Exactly. Do a shot. Should we do a shot for that or a shot for every time we say snary? Oh, we're not trying to send people to the hospital. It's the holidays. It's the holidays. Let's do something crazy. Yeah, well... your holiday in the hospital. <laughs> I know, I know. No, Danny is the voice of reason here. I'm like the one that's like, shot, shot, shot. And Danny's like, no, drink your water. Don't do anything crazy. <laughs> I love you, Danny. <laughs> and it's funny because I don't even drink. So I would have every reason to be like, yeah, shot, because I don't even drink. I'm just watching y'all go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. See, and it's like, what time is it? It's like 1030 here in my time. So um, it's not five o'clock. <laughs> you know how they say it's five o'clock somewhere where it is not five o'clock here. Uh, you know, let's be honest here. But anyway, so I'm feeling super fun and festive today with my eggnog drink. And we are just going to go to town here. Um, Danny, I want to hear about like, how has your year been snary wise this year? I thought we would do kind of like a snary recap of our years here. And I know you've had a lot going on. We talk all the time about the projects that you're doing and the things that you're involved in. And I'm just like, oh, damn, girl, (laughs) that's so much. It's so impressive. I just have to say. (laughs) See, you say that. And like when you first mentioned that we would maybe talk about that, I was like my immediate reaction, like before I had time to think was like, I'm so unproductive. I've done nothing. But that's just, you know, real life has been in my way a little bit recently. But when I had time to think about it, I was like, man, I have done a lot this year. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. You have. You are amazing. You do so many things. In addition to all of the things that aren't so apparent, like we all know in fandom that you are so supportive of everybody else too and what everybody else is doing. So there's always that. But then you're also doing your own thing. So tell us what you've been involved in this year. Well, at the start of the year, 
I got to talking to an artist, A Love Unlaced, who I love and adore. Their art is amazing. But they did some scenario art and they were like, hey, do you want to write a ficlet for this? And I was like, um, yes, absolutely. So I think my first fic of the year was for an art that they had done, which was called Again and Again, which is nothing big and flashy. But I was like, I'm really happy with it, how that came out. And then I ran some fests this year, you know, my problematic Chan Fest. I did fruit fest right now i'm doing no nut november with light light class and we're doing deflower december next month so i've got like just all these fests i'm doing but then also uh last year for scenarius on i wrote a story called contempt which is the story of my soul it is the thing i am most proud of and this year I wrote several like ficlets that go in the same universe. And then for Snariathon this year, I wrote a companion piece to that called Devotion, which is the same story. But while Contempt was from Harry's perspective, Devotion is from Severus's perspective. So it was just this whole like very close to my heart thing and something I worked really hard on and that I'm like very proud of. And I love to talk about that series at any opportunity. So, of course, that is just... It's beautiful. (laughs) I see why this is like your magnum opus so far. I mean, like, you know, you have plenty of life left to live. So who knows what you're going to write in the future. But I see why this is your magnum opus because it is gorgeous. And like you. you even had some like podfic go with it. You've had like art, you know, done for... I mean, like all this beautiful, amazing things. So um, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I'm wondering, as you're talking about, like, the differences between telling the story from Harry's point of view and then telling it from Snape's, like, do you feel like um, writing from Snape's point of view was a, was a more of a challenge or was it just more fun? What was that like? I'm just so curious about channeling Severus Snape for this, like, this story. I love it. It's, I want to say it's harder just because it's intimidating because I so want to do him justice and he's just such a special person very you know difficult and just you know he's so complex and he's so intelligent like I want to do that justice and I'm just like I'm not smart enough to write from his perspective but on the other hand it makes more sense to have very poetic prose in his perspective so it's very this indulgence of words when you're in his perspective where it's like contempt I had to pull back a lot and I was spending a lot of time trying to shape it a particular way just because of not only who Harry is and what his voice sounds like but then also his frame of mind in that story and everything he was going through where he was sort of There was just so much he was like holding back and didn't understand about himself, whereas Severus was a lot more self-aware in this story. And he just, there was so much more, it was easier to say everything in devotion because, like I said, he's, he's smart. Like he knows what's up, you know, it was easier to put it all out there. But I will say anytime I'm writing Severus's point of view, it's a little intimidating just because I'm like. I love this man and I just, I have strong feelings about him and I just want to 
do him the most justice. Right. I feel like I would have the same thoughts, right? The same anxieties about it of like, oh, God, I have to do... I have to do Snape justice. And you're right. Like, he's so intelligent that like, yes. I would feel like an idiot if I was trying to write from his perspective or his even just like trying to come up with dialogue that's like true to the character. I would just be like, I don't even know how this is supposed to go. <laughs> you know? he's, he's so clever and sarcastic, which I love. But then you just have to be like, and he's so proud, too. So you can't really lean into like petty jabs unless he's in the right emotional space for that because he's more like trying to like be a certain way he's trying to present a certain image that if he's like in a controlled space and he's trying to play a certain part like he's got standards for himself that he's trying to meet he's not gonna like I don't know how to explain it but it's just you have to be very on your toes very mindful and thoughtful with everything because I feel like he's like that he's very putting a lot of thought into things and is very intentional with things and so that's part of the fun but also part of the difficulty but uh, since we are talking about this I did want to say this is part of it's not the whole reason but it's one of the reasons I struggle with doing like alternating POV in stories I like to stay in one perspective And part of that is just I want to give like my whole focus to a character and like really dive deeper into them and how they're experiencing the story. But then the other part of it is like Harry and Severus's voices are so different that (laughs) it's hard to get a story to flow well if it's like bouncing between them. But I did explore that because the next thing for the year was Snary Bang, where I wrote a story called The Curse of Anteros with my friend, Mr. Villain, who is an amazing artist, did the art for it. But in the story, I was I was alternating perspective between Harry and Severus. And I feel like it came out pretty good. But part of it was like Harry is older for a good part of the fic. So it made it a little better. But that is always something I kind of struggle with is trying to give them each their very distinct voices and being true to who they are while also trying to have a story that flows well and is cohesive so yeah no i thought you did such a great job with that everything about that project was beautiful there were so many lines in that fic where i was just like oh i'm dead this is so beautiful (laughs) and then like the art when you first showed me the art I feel like you showed me the art first. I did. (laughs) And I'm looking at this art going, this is un-freaking believable. Like, it was so good. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm really happy. And I say contempt is, it's still the story of my soul. Part of me thinks The Curse of Anteros is maybe a better overall story, but it doesn't quite settle into my bones the way that contempt does. But either way, I did a lot of stuff I'm proud of this year. So it's okay that I've had a few months where I've just been creatively drained. But I was like, even just those two stories, like Devotion and The Curse of Antros alone, were huge. They were very important stories to me. And I did them and I'm so proud of them. And that's not taking into account all the other stuff I've done. So you know what? I was like, you know what? I've earned a break. It's fine. (laughs) Yes. No, absolutely. Sometimes you need that break to just recharge your creative energy, 
rest and look back on what you've done for the year and be like, you know what? I did really good. I did really, 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 really good. I think it's a great opportunity to practice like self-kindness. I really need that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I know that we kind of both do. You and I talk a lot about this and we joke with each other because you and I are both very like task oriented, you know? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> we love to make lists. We love to make goals. And once we decide we're going to do something, like nothing is going to stop us from doing that thing, even if we have to like kill ourselves doing it, you know? Absolutely. It's one of those funny things too, where we're so hard on ourselves when it comes to these projects or goals or whatever it is that we're doing. It never feels like it's enough. It never feels good enough. It, you know, and we're just yes. all we can see are the flaws and everything. And one of the things I love about our friendship is that we're constantly reminding each other, hey, it's okay to tell yourself that you did a good job. It's okay to feel proud of yourself for accomplishing what you accomplish. It's okay, right? To be good yeah. to yourself. <laughs> And I love that about us, that we can at least do that for each other and remind each other, like, it's okay. I love that. <laughs> you'll say something and I'm just like, how does she not know that she's like the goat? She's so, <laughs> like, such a professional, so prepared, so smart. Like, you're you're so great with people. And I'm like, how does she not see how amazing she is? I just need to beat her over the head with it. <laughs> well, see, and I always think the same thing about you, too. Like, you're so beloved in fandom. Like, everybody Aww. has these wonderful things to say about you. Like, you're so supportive and so kind to everybody. And you accomplish, like, all of these amazing things. You're so prolific. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, if I could just, like, accomplish half those things, man. Like, that would be amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. So... All of that to say, I think we can take a moment to acknowledge that it's okay to, like, be kind to ourselves. You know, speaking of being kind to ourselves, that was actually one of the Snape-related thoughts that I had this year. Because I didn't have, like, Snape or Snary-related projects that I did this year, per se. But I just had, like, Snape and Snary-related thoughts. I had the tremendous opportunity to be interviewed by Emblematic, by Molly this year. So she did like a reverse interview on me, which was fantastic. It came out a couple of yes. months ago. And like the subject of Severus Snape came up, right, in that interview. It was super fun to be able to talk about him a little bit. But you know how it is, Danny, when you're like in the moment and you're thinking of like things to say in the moment, right? And then there are always things that occur to you after the recording is done, right? <laughs> so yes, all the time. Yes. So I was like, after that interview was over, I was thinking about the conversation in that interview for a couple of days afterwards. And then this random memory occurred to me, Danny. We were talking before the recording here about the 2000s, you know, because we were saying, oh, my gosh, people born in the 2000s, they're like, you know, little adults now. They're old <laughs> enough to get married, you know. And it's so it's so funny to think back to, like, you know, the early 2000s. Well, the thing that I recalled <laughs> in these uh, this thought process was I suddenly recalled one of the first Snape-centric fan fictions that I read on fanfiction.net. That was the early 2000s for me, right? And this wasn't even a sneery story. This was Snoopin. So it was Rebus Lupin and it was Severus Snape. I remember that in this fic, Severus Snape is really struggling badly with feelings of self-doubt and feelings of insecurity and feelings of just being really hard on himself for his past mistakes in life, right? 
And Remus is observing this and sort of wants to try to help Snape through these like difficult, um, you know, emotions and difficult processing of of past events and things like that. So he encourages Snape to go into a room alone, get out a piece of paper and a quill. And he says, I just want you to write something kind about yourself. Anything. Aww. It could be anything. And in the story, I remember this line, okay? <laughs> like he, he sits down in front of his desk, in front of that blank piece of paper, and he takes the quill in his hand, and he writes one sentence. And I will remember the one sentence for the rest of my life, and it goes, I, Severus Snape, did what needed to be done. And I have never, ever forgotten that line. It's funny because I forgot about that experience of reading that fic. And then, you know, that interview with uh, with Molly kind of triggered that in my brain a couple days later. And I thought, I have carried that line with me for decades. Oh, my God. And it was just so cool to think that, you know, somebody and I don't even remember what the fic was called. I don't remember who wrote it. I just remember that one scene and that one line and it never left me. And so now when I think about being kind to ourselves or like giving ourselves some slack, cutting ourselves a break, you know, I think about that one line. I, Severus Snape, did what needed to be done. I love that. I feel like we could all use some of that in our lives here and there, right? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Yeah, exactly. So also just a reminder on that is that, you know, when you write a fan fiction, you never know who's going to take a line or a scene from your fic and who's going to let that live rent free in their head for decades. You know, you never know who you're going to touch and who is going to keep those things in their heart with them for the rest of their lives. Just saying. So, <laughs> and and I think that's a good message for any fic writer is because I feel not everyone, obviously, not every person is going to have the same experience, but I feel like most writers, also readers, we have read fanfic. We're in fandom, and I just know so many people have like just know a story that are just like, yes, this story touched me. Like, I remember these scenes or this line or this feeling like we all have those moments of I read something that just touched me and changed me and blew my mind. Like, we all have those like moments there and like you could be doing that for someone else. You probably are. Like, everyone has, you know, different experience with things and. They could be like there could be anyone out there reading what you wrote and taking something from it and it could just stay with them in ways you might never know. So I think it's good to remember is like how you are as a reader and knowing that there are readers out there who are looking at you and your work that same way. Yeah, I think that that's totally it. That's it, you know? Well, especially with Severus Snape with me, because I remember when I was talking to Molly about Severus, I was like, you know... It's really when I started reading the fan fiction, right, about Severus Snape, that I really started connecting in a very personal way to Severus Snape, because that's when I started seeing a lot of Snape in myself and a lot of myself in Snape. Yes. You and I have talked about this so many times in private, Danny, where we're just like, oh, yeah. in some ways, Severus Snape almost gives us permission 
to like embrace those parts of ourselves that maybe we don't like so much, you know? Yeah. You can kind of explore those parts in this safe way and it gives you this like ability, I don't know, to just be more accepting, I think. I I just, it's so hard to explain how Severus Snape helped me to accept myself on a level that I don't think I would have gotten to without him. And like with writing, and I brought this up, you know, I, I like to talk about this, but I've even like talked to my therapist about it. Is I like writing characters with flaws and like really showcasing even good people like Harry doing bad things and screwing up and having parts of themselves that aren't so shiny and perfect and how meaningful that is to me and how beneficial that is to me to explore that. And to sort of accept in myself that like, yeah, I'm going to fail. and I'm going to misstep and make mistakes. And it's okay. Like, I'm not worthless or horrible because I slip up sometimes. And there is no better exploration of that than with Severus because he is someone who is so complex and so deeply flawed, but also has so much good that we can see. You know, he's a great example of like the good and the bad and being able to love him. And for me, you know, you can't really love someone without also seeing the bad with the good. And so if you see that and accept that, that's a good way of like, exploring that and seeing that in other people and even in yourself so he like he is the natural point to find that comfort I think yes because I just I remember like reading all of these Snape fan fictions you know and as I'm reading I'm feeling my heart open more and more and more to this complicated complex individual who has all of these complicated layers. Yes. He's not entirely good. He's not entirely bad. He's complicated. And as I'm feeling my heart open more and more and more for this man, I'm feeling my heart open more and more and more for myself. And that has been invaluable. And like you said, it it can even open your heart to other people too, who, you know, are complicated. We're all complicated, right? As humans, yes. we're just like freaking complicated. Like that's just the way it's going to be. And so thank God that we get to like explore these things in a fictional sense. And I, and I think especially with Severus Snape, like that's that's always been like a point of fascination, I think, for us both. Um, and I know we're not alone out there. There's this huge community out there of people that think just like us. And it's beautiful. Um, so I had a couple of other like Snape related thoughts this year. Um, <laughs> tell me. Well, the other thing is, do you remember that day I sent you that text message? And I was like, Danny, did you know about Snape Wives? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was like, how have you not heard about Snape Wives? <laughs> exactly. You guys, I am going to be 41 in a couple of weeks. OK, 41 years old. How the fuck did I not know? About Snape Wives. Like, I knew about that other guy that started the Harry Potter cult. I knew about that guy. (laughs) How the hell did I not know about Snape Wives? I came across it on a random Tumblr post a couple months ago. And I was like, what the hell? So I look it up on fan lore. And sure as shit, dude, 
Snape wives was a real thing. So I, yeah, I, I reach out to Danny and I was like, Danny, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> and she's just like, you know, she's like, Beth, uh, we all knew about that. <laughs> Look, the Snape vibes are iconic. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How am I the only one that didn't know that? I am hoping that there's like some other snary person out there who's been living under a rock like I have, apparently, and maybe doesn't know anything about this. Um, Danny, just in case, okay, just in case there's anybody out there who has no idea what we're talking about with Snape wives, like how would we describe this phenomenon? Because I just... <laughs> Uh, politely or? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so interesting to me because it's almost like, it's almost like a Harry Potter polygamy cult. Yes. What essentially you have is this fictional character, Severus Snape, and then you had a bunch of fans of Severus Snape who sort of took it to this very interesting level where they believed that they were married to Severus Snape in some respect or something. I'm not sure if, like... They were on the astral plane. That's right. On the astral plane, they were all married to Severus Snape. So it was like astral plane polygamy. Um, (laughs) Not quite sure how the marriage licenses worked. Listen, Beth, what happens on the astral plane stays on the astral plane. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, and then and then I, I'm sitting there wondering, like, OK, if you're in this group, this like group of people who are all married to Severus Snape, are these people your like Severus Snape sister wives? Yes. I was thinking about that. <laughs> the sister wives of Severus Snape. Exactly. That could have been a freaking TV show, dude. It could oh have been a TV God. show. It should have been a TV show. I feel like I'm missing out. Well, and then. And then you're in this, like, online community with your, like, Severus Snape sister wives. Are you jealous of them because you're married (laughs) to the same man? Like, are you just, like, totally jealous of all your sister wives? Because that happens in real life. Stacy had two dates with Severus this week. (laughs) I can't believe it. (laughs) Well, and then, like, you know, I feel like I know a lot about astral plane theory just because I'm weird like that. It begs the question, in the astral plane, if you're Severus Snape, can you be in multiple places at once? Is that a possibility? Are you asking if you can be in multiple women at once? Or- <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Actually, that is what I'm, what I'm wondering. Like, can you be with multiple wives at the exact same time so that nobody feels left out? Is that possible on the astral plane? It's the astral plane. Why not? And he's a <laughs> wizard. He's a wizard, Ben. <laughs> there is a spell for that, okay? Yes, yes. And then we were like, we were sitting here wondering, does being married to Severus Snape on the astral plane mean that you're getting some sort of like astral plane, like spousal support? (laughs) Do you get like a check in the mail every month or like, how does that work? You're still hoping. How's his retirement plan gonna go? Do you have children on the astral plane? Yeah. Is there like astral plane child support? Like, I don't oh, even God. know. There's so many questions. I So many questions. I just have so many questions about this whole thing. And apparently there were like online shrines to this whole practice where people were like posting their vows online. And like there were people in this group who legit claimed that they could like channel the spirit of Severus Snape 
And they would give like messages to the other people in the group about what he wanted. It was just like, <laughs> oh my God. Stacy says Severus wants me to give her $50,000, but I don't know. <laughs> that sounds a little sus. Yeah. Yeah. And then like you and I were totally wondering like, okay, how do you even get Severus Snape to like show up and be summoned for a channeling anyway? Because we both know that man and um, he's just going to do what he wants to do. He's not going to like show up just because somebody summons him. So I don't even know how that works either. Like, I don't obey you. He would turn up to troll people. That's what I think. <laughs> you think so? You think so? He would just be like, yes, on Wednesdays we wear pink and then everybody would wear pink. For sure. That's how you know the Snape wives, they're wearing pink on Wednesdays. <laughs> yes, wearing pink on Wednesdays because Severus decreed it. Um, yeah, and you know, I don't mean to make fun. Like, I know that lots of people have very interesting beliefs about different kinds of things. I just, I was fascinated by it because I had no idea that there was a Snape-specific cult that sprung up out of the depths of the World Wide Web. Um, I think the other term for it that I found on Fandler was Snapeism. Like, that was another term for these types of beliefs. And eventually the group disbanded, you know, obviously. They all got divorced. They all got divorced on the <laughs> astral plane and moved on. Um, and all of that stuff. But I was just fascinated by that. And also like perturbed that I'm apparently the only one that didn't know that Snape wives <laughs> existed. So um, if anybody else has any like crazy secrets that they want to tell me so that I'm not in the dark about everything, that would be great. <laughs> Oh my god! And then I then I sent you the link to the whole like misscribe thing. There's a lot of craziness in this fandom. <laughs> there is. There totally is. Although it doesn't surprise me so much because there's just like there's so much splintering in the Harry Potter fandom, right? Because there's just different interests and different ships and different things that people like. So I guess it doesn't surprise me that there would be drama between like different groups and things like that. But yeah, the misscribe thing was insane <laughs> insane it took what what is that that video you sent me it was like two hours long or some shit like that that's I how know. long it takes to tell the story it's a lot it's a lot i just recommend just look up all the crazy harry potter fandom conspiracies all the cults all the dramas all the everything because it's a good time. It's a good way to spend a weekend just watching these videos or binging the fan lore articles, whatever you got to do. Oh, man. Yeah. Fan lore has everything. Fan lore has all the tea. So if you want some tea, go to fan lore. Like, it's all there. It's fantastic. Oh, and then the last thing I was like, okay, what other like snary related thing can I talk about for this year? And then I remembered that conversation we had by text earlier this year where I was like, it was so funny because I sent you this text and I was like, Danny, um, did you know that Severus Snape is a boomer? <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I was just like, oh no. <laughs> I know. You were like, what? And then we figured out that it's true because what? He's born in, was it 1961, Danny? 1961? 1960. 1960. Okay. 1960, Snape is born, which totally makes him a boomer. And I don't know. Okay. Like, this is how, like, himbo I am about things sometimes. Because, like, I didn't know. It, it never occurred to me, Danny. Like, how in all of these decades 
of loving Snary, did it never occur to me that Severus Snape is a boomer? Well, it didn't occur to me either. But... <laughs> <laughs> now, look. I am not trying to say anything disparaging about boomers. That's not the point of this conversation. It was just so interesting to me to realize that in the context of like generational differences between him and Harry, because like Harry is definitely a millennial. Um, Apparently, Harry at this point would be even older than me. I turned 41 soon. And I think that canonically, wasn't he born in like 1980? Yeah, 1980. Yeah. So he would be like 40... What? I can't do math. Me neither. I cannot. And 43. Eggnog. 43. I definitely can't do math with eggnog. I'm not even consuming alcohol. And I was just like, oh, um, numbers. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me to do math like on the spot. It will not happen. I'm a writer. I'm not a mathematician. Okay. <laughs> I'm a writer, not a bricklayer, Jim. Yes. Um, little Star Trek joke for you guys. Um. So, yeah, I just thought that was super fascinating because I know what it's like to be a millennial. You know what it's like to be a millennial, Danny. Yeah. And then to think of like, wow, what would that be like to have a partner who, because you're like, it's one thing to have like an older partner, right? But yeah. Harry just skips right over that Gen X generation. He just skips right over that. Gotta get me a boomer. Yes, a boomer. <laughs> and it just is so funny to think about that generational difference because we know here in real life. In real life, there are all kinds of jokes and memes and discourse happening between boomers and millennials who have a hard time understanding each other. This is the true enemies to lover story. It is, though. It's like this interesting element of that trope where you're just like, oh, that's an interesting new layer that I had just never considered before. You know, because like Severus obviously is going to have some thoughts and perspectives on life on the world that are shaped by his generation and same with harry for sure so yeah like there's that animosity there that they have to overcome and i was just also thinking about it just in terms of like you know i think i was telling you in that text exchange i love thinking about this from snape's perspective especially because i know what it's like to start growing a little bit old People roll their eyes when I say that because they're like, you're 41. That's not fucking old. But half my life is over at this point. If I live to 80, that's great. So I'm like halfway done, you know? You could live to 90, though. You don't know. I hope not. Oh, God. (laughs) Like, I'm done already. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even want to live to 80 at this point. Like, no, sir. That's just, mm -mm. mm-mm, mm-mm. But yeah, so I have noticed that, like, when I hit 40, I started, like, getting super nostalgic for like my 20s and thinking back a lot and you know your body starts breaking down in interesting ways and you just I don't know aging is so fascinating and I love it and I hate it at the same time it's like this love-hate relationship and I was sort of thinking about Severus Snape in this context here because I was thinking like Severus Snape I feel like in this respect he's a little bit lonely in the relationship with Harry just in this respect. The reason I say that is because Severus Snape knows what it's like to be Harry's age because Harry's younger. So Severus will always have the advantage of being like, oh yeah, I remember what it was like to be your age. I remember what that developmental stage in my life was like. So he'll always have the benefit of understanding in some respect what it's like to be Harry's age and what he's going through and what he's dealing with and all that. But the same is not true on the other side where 
you know, Harry has no idea what it's like to be 40 or 50 or 60. Yeah. He doesn't know what it's like to get out of bed and be like, oh, my back. Yes, exactly. He has no idea what that's like to like grow apart from everybody you ever knew in your 20s because you're so old. He has no idea what it's like to like start having these existential thoughts as you get older because that happens too. You get to a certain age and you start having these existential thoughts about, you know, the end of your life and what am I doing and how how did how could I waste like all of these years? You know, there's just a lot of I don't know. As you get older sometimes you start thinking back with regret on things that you did or didn't do. It's all this crazy stuff. And I'm thinking, like, poor Severus doesn't really have somebody. Well, I I just don't feel like Harry would be able to understand him on that level with those things that Severus is dealing with, you know? I think he might be closer than some, because the other part of that is if we're looking at Snary and the way of, you know... We're looking at everything happened up until the shaft, but then we're like, okay, but Severus lived, obviously. But at that point, you're like, but they both died. Like, they both have been through so much. Like, they both survived so much trauma and so much baggage and death. Like, they have a connection there. Maybe the age part shifts it a bit but i think harry might have more understanding of you know what it's like to think about dying and to think about a lot of those more difficult questions because he was the child soldier you know he's the boy who lived he sacrificed himself to save everyone else and yeah he came back but you know he was prepared to die so you know in that way there's maybe some level of understanding, even if it's not quite the same due to the differences in age. And, you know, he has, he's younger. He has, you know, different energy. You know, his body isn't falling apart yet. But there's something, I think, that resonates between them. And I think that's part of what makes this relationship work with them. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you said that because, like, I love that point. That even though Harry doesn't have the same, like, you know, age experience that Severus does, they can still, they have so much that they can relate on because they have similar traumas and they did experience the same things together. Um, And I love that point. I love that because, you know, ultimately, of course, I think you're right. I think they have so many things that they're like the same on and so many things that they do relate to that it works on this spectacular level. I just wonder sometimes from a slightly older person's perspective. That would be interesting to have a younger partner that, you know, just doesn't quite get it yet what it's like to be here. And that's okay. Like, that's just, you know, you're never going to understand your partner on every single level. Like, that's never going to happen in any relationship. But it was funny to me also to just think of, like, the funny generational differences, too. Like, I think about Harry being a millennial. And I don't know about you, Danny, but I've always, like, thought that Harry, because he grew up in the muggle world until the age of 11, I feel like he would still be pretty technologically savvy. So he's going to make boomer jokes, right? He's probably going to make boomer jokes and he's probably going to be very like entrenched in the technological advances that happened after the canon books. Yeah. The iPhone came out. Facebook happened. Instagram, you know, Tumblr, all of these like, you know, crazy things. And in my mind, sometimes I laugh and I like, go through these fake scenarios of like Harry trying to explain Facebook 
to Severus or Harry showing Severus an iPhone for the first time and being like, look, you can turn it on its side. Oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? You know, Harry trying to explain a meme. Yes. And Carrie <laughs> trying to explain a meme and being like meme culture. And, you know, Snape just being like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Here, watch this TikTok. <laughs> yes. He would not understand any of this stuff. And he would probably think it was so stupid. Um, so it just it amuses me sometimes <laughs> to think about, you know. Um, but anyway, those are my Snape and Snary related thoughts for the year. Who knows what is going to happen next year? But uh, but yeah, I, I feel like it's been a great year. Great year all around. Great year. Snary related. We have, oh my gosh, been chit chatting for like almost an hour now. We are going to talk about a couple of Snary holiday themed fix for the second yes. half of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Because we kind of wanted to do the holiday theme kind of thing for Snary. So I was like, Danny, let's like get some holiday fix here and let's, you know, read them. And then we can just talk about what we loved and all of that stuff. So um we decided to read The Christmas Prince, which Incidentally, it says here that this is written by Dan Puff. Oh, does it? <laughs> yeah, I think you might know her. Um, <laughs> She's all right. Super delightful fic. And then we're also talking about Nutcracker's Delight today, which was co-written by Perverse Idol and Rin Spain and first posted in 2006. I love it. I am going to leave this up to you, Danny. Which one should we talk about first? Oh, God. I kind of want to talk about the Nutcrackers. They're like, you know, you, you know, I love Perverse Idol. I love her. And Ren's main, amazing. Like two amazing writers. They wrote not only a Snary together, not just Snary, but they wrote me, specifically me. I'm kidding. They didn't know me back then. Specifically me. They wrote me a holiday thing. I don't know if people know this, but I love holiday stories. I love them. They make my heart happy. They just put me in a good mood. Like, it's so delightful. Like, it just brings me so much joy. So there's something about this story that just feels very... It's exciting to get this snary Christmas story written by two authors that I super admire and love. And it's so good. I just... I'm just diving on into it. Like, for one, Severus. I love him. He's amazing. Part of what I love about these two writers is that they understand Severus and he's so himself, which I love this cranky bastard. I love him. How amazing. But then also like the magical aspects in this story are so, it's so true to the wizarding world. Like it's just funny and random and weird and I love it like the cuckoo clock oh my god and the ribbons and just yes like you said both of the authors for this fic so freaking iconic hold on with me for a second because when I reached out to perverse idol and I was like we really want to talk about this fic may we have your blessing and she was so amazing. I love her. I know. I love her. And she not only gave her blessing, but she also gave me some interesting background information that I didn't know about, you know, the writing of this fic here. I wanted to kind of share this with everybody because this is 
I mean, again, two iconic writers, and this is such a classic Sneary holiday fic. Um, so this is what Perverse Idol says. She says, just for background, this was technically my first foray into fic writing. And then she says, um, Rin's Bane had come up with the idea to write a cracky, snary fic based on the Nutcracker Ballet. I was her beta then and more familiar than she was with the full story of the Nutcracker, so I pointed out some opportunities in the fic to embellish the scenes with Nutcrackery parallels. <laughs> um, <laughs> she says that Rinsbane was getting her degree at the time and sort of just up to her ears in schoolwork and midterms and things like that. So um, it sounds like Rinsbane suggested that Perverse Idol sort of take the fic and help revise it. So Perverse Idol says that she added a bunch of like Snape and fairy tale stuff. And then she went through and she cleaned it up. She says she was really nervous about like messing with the story, right? Because she's like, I adore Ren Spain. I adore her writing and wasn't entirely sure how to do this collaboration thing. So she says, uh, she says, despite my fumbling around, it was an exhilarating experience. And then she also says that her time in Snary fandom with Ren Spain was probably like the golden era of her fanish life. And I just thought it was so cool to hear some of those background tidbits of info about the Nutcracker Stella. I had no idea that this was technically Perverse Idol's first fan fiction. I love that. Oh, man. And I know she'd done beta work for Rin Bane and stuff, but I don't know, like Perverse Idol just feels like such a, I don't know how to say it, just like such an icon, just such a standard scenario and it's just like if there was a time before perverse idol what are you talking about <laughs> i know i know and i just feel like we are so lucky that she's here you know yeah that we have these opportunities to hear these stories from back in the the golden era of uh, of snary fandom you know and it feels like it. it it does but then one of the things that that she also says um and i've heard perverse idol say this before that it's so wonderful that even after all these decades we're still talking about severus snape and we're still enjoying like snary fandom and it's still here and we're just so delighted that she's still here with us because it's a treasure and a joy <laughs> to have somebody like that here in fandom with us. And she's such a gem of a person, too, right? And, like, I know she's always so busy. She has so much going on. And I don't know. Like, I know she doesn't have as much time as she would like, but she's still as active as she can be and still has such a connection to and so much love for the fandom that even though you know life gets in the way sometimes you know she's so passionate and has so much love for this fandom and it comes through and like everything she does like not just her writing but you know she she's a mod on the um hp slash bit subreddit and just everything she does there like you can just tell this is someone who has so much love and care and just wants so much good for the community and has so much goodness and support to give. And that's, there's something so wonderful about it. Someone who's so smart and creative and is such like a foundational part of Snary fandom. And to know that she's such like an amazing human too, who is still such a fan. And like, I love her. I'm embarrassing myself, but I adore her. And I just think she's the greatest. It's someone we get to look up to. 
that doesn't happen in fandom all the time, right? Like a lot of times the OGs, they sort of fade out from fandom and, you know, they kind of start doing their own thing and everything. I feel so privileged that that we have somebody, we get to look up to somebody here. We get to we get to look forward. I think maybe that's what I'm trying to say is like, as I get older, right? Uh, I know I keep talking about getting old. I don't know why. <laughs> but um, as I get older, like I find myself looking forward to these like iconic people in fandom and just being like, it's so freaking wonderful to know that there is a way to, to still be here, you know, and to still participate and to still be somebody that people look up to. And, and I just, I can't wait to be that person, you know, because I look up to people like Perverse Idol so much that it makes me want to be that for other people too. I totally intend to still be here till the day they put me in the ground. Again, it's just so wonderful to have somebody to, to look up to, honestly. And to kind of see their example and want to kind of live up to that. So anyway, all of that to say, we, we adore Perverse Idol. And of course, Rinsbane. Oh, my God. I remember yes. reading so much Rinsbane fan fiction. I, I'm not sure we know how to find Rinsbane anymore. So she'll probably never hear this. But Rinsbane, if you're out there, man, man we love you, too. Yeah, We do. We really do. Oh, God. Just such incredible work. So anyway, so this is just... It's an iconic, like, uh, you know, snary holiday fic. You know, what's funny is I went into the, um, <laughs> I went into the, um, the comment section and obviously like this being, um, posted on AO3, I want to say that it was finally posted to AO3 in like 2012, I think, but it was originally posted in 2006. And I'm assuming that it was originally posted probably on Live Journal somewhere. And I, I wish so badly, Danny, that I could find it. I tried to find it on uh, on Live Journal and I couldn't, but I wanted so badly to find it so I could see what the original comment section looked like because that would have been fantastic. But I did check out the one in AO3 and someone named Taylin called this fic Cracktacular. <laughs> <laughs> And I laughed so hard when I saw that because that's pretty much like that. That is how I would definitely describe this fic is it's like it has so much heart and it has so much vibe to it. And it's beautiful. Also, so cracky. Cracktacular is the perfect way to describe it. <laughs> and actually speaking of that, like, I don't know if this is just me, but there's just this association with the word crack. That just like gets my hackles up sometimes because I'm just like, I don't know. It's just the idea that it's just completely ridiculous and maybe in concept, but I'm just like, this story is amazing. What are you talking about? This is a masterpiece. This is classic literature. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you know, what's also funny about the whole crack thing is like the pun of it. Because it's literally called the Nutcracker's Delight and there's a Nutcracker <laughs> in it. I never thought of that. There's this line in like the beginning of the fic, you know, Albus's note that comes with the Nutcracker when he like gifts it to Severus. The note literally says, get cracking, dear boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was so, like obviously with the Nutcracker, but it like... <laughs> Somehow I didn't click until you said that. Like, it's a crack fic about a nutcracker. Like, yes. oh my God. It works on so many levels. It's so friggin' funny. I think the first thing I noticed about this fic, honestly, when I first read it, was like the tone of it. Yes. There's this very like tongue-in-cheek sort of vibe to it. 
There are so many lines in this fic that are so funny. It's told from Severus's point of view, right? And a lot of it is like his internal thoughts on what he's observing and what's going on. And he is so sarcastically funny in this fic. Just his internal thoughts are hilarious. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. I just... Get cracking, dear boy. <laughs> yeah, get cracking, dear boy. Um, also the sentient ribbons. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, that was like I was immediately my brain was at the start of the thick with like the cuckoo clock and then like the sentient ribbons, and I was just like, oh my god. And that's it. It's just like it's so it's dripping with magic and whimsy, and I just oh, it's everything that always drew me to the Harry Potter universe in the first place. And I love seeing that in fic. I feel like there's not enough of that whimsy in fic sometimes. Yes. Yes. Whimsy is such a great way to put this. There's so much whimsy in this that you're just like, oh my, like you're just reading it for the pleasure of reading and the pleasure of being taken on this like cracky journey of like, what the heck is going on here? I don't even know, but it's so great. So great. Like, for those who have never read it, I really doubt there's anybody in our community that has not read this. But in case you haven't, um, how would you describe this, Danny? Like, Severus gets a gift on Christmas Eve, right? From Dumbledore, who's dead. Yeah, wait, wait. It's the Nutcracker on crack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the short okay, version. Sorry. Right? sorry, I had to. I had to say, I had to. <laughs> okay. But. Yeah, he uh, he gets a nutcracker. <laughs> the nutcracker kind of—I don't know—he he uses it to like crack some nuts and stuff. But he's like <laughs> looking at this nutcracker and he's like, you know what? This nutcracker is very familiar. Something very familiar about <laughs> this damn nutcracker. Like, what is it? I can't quite put my finger on it, but it has like green eyes. I wonder who that could be. Oh my god! Well, and then the sentient ribbons are, of course, green and red, which you're thinking, of course, they're green and red because it's like Christmas colors, right? Oh, no, my friend. Oh, no. Those are Gryffindor and Slytherin colors, too. So it works on multiple levels here. But yeah, can't help but notice that this Nutcracker looks an awful lot like his arch nemesis. Who he's thirsty for. Who he's thirsty for. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So he kind of falls like... The way it sort of read to me is he sort of falls into this, like, I don't know, fever dream because he falls asleep. Yeah. And then he, like, awakens to freaking Wormtail in his room or whatever, <laughs> which startled the hell out of me. I will be honest. I was like, what is happening right now? Why is Wormtail here? <laughs> because the crack is ensuing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, is he some sort of, like, evil messenger or what's going on here? And sure enough, dude, that's where it starts getting real cracky and real, like, real juicy, right? Because Wormtail's like, oh, we're all being summoned to the final battle. And uh, (laughs) Snape is like, what? I can only imagine because, like, I don't know about you, Danny, but when I am rustled from sleep and forced to, like, think and stand up and put pants on and all of that, I am not on top of my game. No, I am not all there. (laughs) I don't even feel human. Yeah. So I'm just imagining Snape, like, you know, being rustled out of sleep like this and just being like, what? What are you talking about? So he's like, yeah, we're all being summoned to the final battle, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the Great Hall. Yeah, he ends up at the Great Hall, right? 
Like they end up apparating there for the summoning. Oh man, I mean, but maybe the battle did happen at Hogwarts, but oh my god. We're being summoned to the final. <laughs> Just crazy and wild and like what's happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was that like what the hell, what's happening kind of thing because um at this point, canonically, right? At this point, he's supposed to be dead. Like the Dark Lord's supposed to be dead. The final battle had already happened. All of this stuff. I mean, Harry is an adult in this fig. He's a professor. He's a professor. And Voldemort was like years ago. So like, I don't know. I can only imagine how confused Snape is. Like, I was confused. I was like, this is so entertaining and so interesting. But like, what the hell is happening here? Like, where are we now? What's going on? Yeah. Like, why is Voldemort back? Holy shit. And there's this line in here that's so funny because... I can just imagine how confused Snape is, right? And there was this hilarious line in here. And the, the line goes, For someone pronounced dead by every reputable R meta wizard in Britain, there was no denying his lordship looked awfully spry. <laughs> <laughs> and something about the like the like rhythm of the line, it just feels like maybe I'm just reading into it. It just feels very like it feels like, like a Christmas story, like, you know, just something about like that rhythm and like the words that are used to just that magic to it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> I know what you mean is there's this certain vibe of the story that's just very clever. Yes. It's just super cute. Like, you know, when I'm reading a story that's written by like a British author, there's a certain vibe to that sometimes. Um, in the way that they're being funny, like the humor of it, there was a lot of that in this story, which was so delightful. You're just laughing the whole way because these lines are so cleverly funny. They really are. And then I really actually loved the battle that takes place. Yeah. The Great Hall, you know, because like you have to remember that this is over the, the Christmas holiday. Right. And most of the students yeah. go home. There's only, I think in this story, there's only five students that stayed over for the holidays. So the only yeah. people in the castle at this time are Filch, the professors, and like five students. <laughs> That's yeah. it. And the house elves, of course. But this battle was so festive. This was like yes. the most festive battle I have ever seen in my entire life. It was delightful. Like that part where the gingerbread men are fighting Voldemort's rats. Yeah. Like. <laughs> oh, and like, because, you know, it's the Nutcracker, which is a ballet. And I'm just like, you just kind of imagine it as, like, imagine that the Great Hall is like a stage and all this stuff having to happen in this particular, like, setup. And I don't know if, like, you put it into your mind that, you know, the Nutcracker was a ballet and, you know, it's these different parts and all these people in costumes and just, you know, the dance and the different moves they're making and all the props that it's it, like if you think about it that way, it just has the very like wild, festive, creative, fun, weird quality to it. That is so fun. It's so fun. It was fun. There was that part where Potter does this spell where he's like fighting the Death Eaters and he does this spell that like throws glass Christmas ornament attacks uh -huh. at his opponents. 
And I was like, this is so creative because it's like still a, a spell, it's still a battle, still an attack, just a festive flair to it. We can't have a battle on Christmas with no ornaments or gingerbread men. Yes. I mean, like it was like this festive vibe just like with Every single scene that you see in here, even the battle, and I was just dying with pleasure as I was reading, you know, this for the first time, going like, oh, Christmas ornaments, <laughs> Christmas <laughs> ornament attacks. Well, that is fantastic. I loved this so much. Oh, God. And then, like, how sarcastic Snape is here. Yes. I felt like he was so in character the whole entire time. That's exactly right. That's why it's so good oh my god that you can have like his like sharp wit like sarcasm and like all this like wackadoodle stuff happening oh my god i love it there was this one line that i pulled from the fic that i feel like really encapsulates the like perfect sarcasm that we find here with um this version of snape for nutcracker's delight there's this line and he goes and this is snape talking obviously he goes, I must have taken leave of my senses, he wheezed to the ceiling. Either that, pause for a perfectly splendid inhale, or prolonged exposure to you has infected me with uncontrollable spasms of stupidity. <laughs> he would say something like that. For reals, though. For reals. This is why Snape has wives, though. So charming. <laughs> so charming. I, I, I'm a little in love with him. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, same. Totally same. Yeah, you know, um, I feel like Severus Snape has like a master's degree in roasting people. And he certainly roasts Harry Potter a lot in this particular fic, which was delightful. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Chestnuts. <laughs> <laughs> Roasted them like chestnuts. What did you think about the um the the slipper scene? <laughs> My slipper, ever sodding Snape. How dare you? Sorry, I'm. Yeah, it was so funny though. He essentially like steals a slipper from yeah. Lucius, who's lying on the ground after someone threw an attack at him. So Lucius is like on the ground, and Severus knows that he needs to stop Voldemort from hurting Harry because Harry and Voldemort are battling. You know, so Snape's like, I have to do something to protect Harry. So he just, like, looks down, sees Lucius there lying on the floor, and takes Lucius's slipper off his foot and just fucking chucks it. He eats that slipper over and hits Voldemort in the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> then he tossed the slipper in the air, concentrated the full force of his most powerful batting charm on the lavender-scented stitchery of its instep and let it fly. <laughs> Yes, it was even like a scented slipper, which like, God damn it, Lucius, why? Lucius, you extra queen, you. Oh, so extra. Like, that is the bougiest slipper I've ever heard of in my entire life. But it fits the character so well. It fits so it well. It does. <laughs> Bring me all the luxurious nonsense. Oh, my God. It could be worse, though. It could have been a smelly AF slipper that he's take it off this man's foot oh my god and having to touch it like holy shit yeah but that would not be in keeping with the christmas spirit smelly feet so it was so much funnier that it was a bougie slipper so i laughed so much for so many reasons at this scene because 
it also reminded me of like, you know, in Latino culture, we have jokes about our moms and our grandmas, like throwing chanclas, you know, at us when we're misbehaving and stuff like that. So when I saw this, my mind said, chancla attack. Or you just take it off your foot and beat your children with it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It was like <laughs> the enchanted chancla attack. Um, you know, because how many of us have like, you know, been a- attacked by like <laughs> sandals and slippers and things like that. But yeah, it was just so funny. And what a shot Severus is. Yeah. I mean, like he only had one shot to hit Voldemort with that scented slipper. And he he nailed it. He is a talented, talented man. Yeah. You know, he could have had a career. He could have been a baller. For real. But then I always just think about, you know, like you said, like all the like small, like the Christmassy details of everything is always what like sticks out to me. And what I was looking for, I was like kind of like going through it now and I was like, don't they mention sugar plums at some time? And yeah, they do. <laughs> do they, is that where they they mention like because after the battle and everything, it's like after they're all gathered and uh, and Albus in true Albus Dumbledore fashion is like sugar plums, gumdrops. <laughs> yes, have some eggnog then. This is where I felt like we really got a heavy chunk of like holiday vibe in that after party scene yeah there's this bit there's the what is it um remus lupin and arthur weasley both showed it to advantage in silk jackets with ruffled shirts ice crystal cufflinks and icicle tie pins i was like dang look at them they're ready they're ready for this party and then uh, glancing around, Severus could have sworn he saw jewels made of sugar plums and marzipan, butterscotch and candied almonds, hats adorned with holly and scarves with mistletoe. I'm like, yes, thank you. Yes, it's like all of my holiday dreams coming true. Yeah, I loved the descriptions that were included in this part because it just, you know, if you stop and close your eyes for a second and imagine the description of what the room looks like, it's just decked out to the nines with all of this amazing holiday stuff, snow and frost and garlands and holly. And, you know, you can just imagine the smells because I think he talks about like cinnamon and nutmeg wafting through the air. And it's just this like magical scene of like holiday celebration. Yeah. So they have their festive battle followed by a festive uh celebration (laughs) the best thing to do after defeating voldemort for a second time of course you have to have a dance party like the after party with the dancing must have grab those ornaments off the floor and put them back on the tree (laughs) exactly so like yeah they totally have a dance party afterwards and everything and that's where they dance they dance. They're commanded to dance by, you know, it's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, they're commanded to. I don't know. Don't you feel like Harry would have approached Snape at some point during the night? I think so. He he might have had to have worked up his courage a little bit, but he would have gotten there. He would have. That's his man. Yeah. I feel like that definitely would have happened either way. But of course, you know, Dumbledore being Dumbledore. And he's we just love like, him. <laughs> and he was wearing an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just having to read 
bits of the spec to everyone. Um, Severus inhaled and placed his hands in the correct position for weeding. Potter fumbled as if juggling a hot potato. Not there, you blundering fool. Severus grabbed Potter's hands and put them where they belonged. Didn't you ever learn to dance for any of the ministry functions you attended? Potter shrugged an awkward movement, giving giving the ferocious grip Severus had on him. Uh, the proximity was a distracting but necessary part of the dance, and Severus was determined to endure it. Hermione tried to teach me. He trailed off for a moment. You know, you could call me Harry, seeing as you're er, holding me in your arms. Severus was sure his face blanched of what little color it had to begin with. No need to be hasty, he said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. You know he's just being ornery at that point. You're just being an ornery old man. Like, get out of here. can't help himself. (laughs) I know. I know. But you know he's been wanting to call him Harry for, like, forever. You know? Like, get out of here. For sure. Don't try to pretend, Snape, that this isn't the best freaking day of your whole life. Like, get out of here. (laughs) I know you're in my arms and we're dancing and all, but I don't know that we're on a first name basis. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, you're practically touching me in places very few people have, but by all means, keep calling me by my last name. That's cool. We're secretly soulmates and all, but don't worry about it. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it was so great, though, the way they danced, because I feel like, uh, if I recall correctly, he ends up stepping on Harry's feet, like, several times on purpose. <laughs> Which is so, like, Snape would totally, he would totally. <laughs> he would. He's a jackass. I love him. <laughs> well, the nice thing is he's probably not as heavy as Harry is, so maybe it's not yeah. as bad if he steps on somebody's feet. But still, though, still, you know. <laughs> oh, and then, um, oh, Harry, when he says, it's customary for the princess or maiden well, rescue person to thank the hero who did the rescuing. <laughs> and then uh, then later on he says, yes, I know, with um, your, your, with your um, brilliant strategy of beating the Dark Lord senseless with a slipper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's essentially what saves the day. It's so funny, though. Things would have gone so bad without that slipper, I'm telling y'all. Then he's like, I, I meant I owe you. Thank you. And then... Uh, I was the damsel in distress. If you won't let me repay you for throwing Malfoy's slipper, then what say to catching me when I fell from off my broom? Isn't there anything I can do? He's throwing himself at you, Severus. <laughs> Don't you feel like you've seen movies and stuff where the protagonist who has been saved and rescued has said that same thing to the person that saved them? I feel like I've seen that kind of a thing before and I was just like, oh... <laughs> Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Harry knew a good opportunity when he saw one. Although I feel like Harry saw opportunity all throughout this fic because he like takes the time to make several puns and several like suggestive jokes and things. And so he's just Harry is killing it out there. He knows what he's doing. He knows. Oh, yeah. He's being so smooth. And he's sort of running circles around Severus a little bit, like, in a verbal sense. It's so funny. He do get that dick, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. 
For those who like the steamy, like, smut scenes, um, this fic does have one of those. It has everything. It really does, right? So it's, it's not like you walk away disappointed because there wasn't a hot, smutty thing that occurs because it totally does. We're so good. I love this story. <laughs> I do, too. And, you know, there was one more, like, line that I pulled and I can't quite recall now, like, what point of the story this is. But um, it's, again, from Severus's point of view. And he's talking about joy a little bit. And he says in this line, joy, yes, it was part of what threatened to shatter him wide open. Severus felt it every bit as much as Potter did. But the boy was free to express what he could not. And I thought that that was so beautiful because it's this like very serious, poignant little bit in this story where he's recognizing that he does have feelings. Like, even though, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell from the outside that Snape has feelings. Of course he does. But he just never felt like he could express those. It wasn't safe. It was too vulnerable. He literally couldn't, you know, at times because he had a job to do or whatever. And so it's like one of the things that he admires about Potter, the fact that Potter is so free with his emotional expressions. And I think that that's something Snape really appreciates about Harry. And I loved that that little bit was in this story because it was beautiful. Yeah. So it was such a delight to reread this. Um, After I reread it for this episode, I put something like, Yeah, the whole thing feels like this fever dream, you know, because at the very end of the fic, Severus sort of just wakes up in his own quarters like, what am I doing back in my own room? Like all of that crazy stuff that happened last night. Was that even real? Did that even happen? You know, he has no idea if it actually happened or if it was some crazy fever dream he had, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So at the end of the fic, you kind of are just left wondering a little bit, you know, like, was it real? Was it not? Because I don't know, Harry seems to like suggest that he remembers the entire set of circumstances just as well as Snape does. So, like it was a shared dream. Yes. Like it was some sort of shared dream like experience that they had together. And I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. This deck is so, there's all the like holiday cheer, the humor. The, like, feel good, the romance, the smut. And it's just so well written. There's just so many lines that, like, stick out and, like, just stick with you and, like, latch into your brain and your heart. And she's like, yes. Yes, exactly. It really does have it all. And like you said, so well written that it's just a delight from beginning to end. So good. So, so good. Uh, Cracktacular, if you will. Cracktacular. So happy that we could reread that for for the holidays because uh, it's definitely a classic. And I was rereading it again while we were talking. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. We're like, let's read it again, actually. um, Yeah. Oh, my God. Just because there's so much I was looking for. Like, oh, yeah, there was this part and that part. And I was like looking for them and then we get caught up reading. And I was like, oh, man, I just <laughs> I should not have done this. <laughs> But their writing's like that. It just like sucks you in and you just get caught up in it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So sharp. Like you said, you just get caught up in it. And at the end of it, you're just like, wow, did I just have a fever dream? Like, I I don't know. (laughs) I think we did. We did. (laughs) Yes. 
Yes. So I feel like this would be such a fun fic to like, okay, so I'm I'm a little bit of a Grinch sometimes. I don't decorate at home for the holidays anymore because it's just me and my dog doesn't care and my cat doesn't care. So I don't decorate anymore. But after I was done reading this fic, I thought this would be so much fun to read on like Christmas Eve. You have your tree up with all of the pretty lights and everything, and you've got all your decorations out. And if you just had that holiday atmosphere, and then you read this on like Christmas Eve or something, this would be like the perfect Christmas Eve reading. So if anybody wants to try that, it's not going to be me because I don't decorate for the holidays, but (laughs) but someone out there I'm sure has tried it and it's probably super great. Snuggle up under a blanket with some hot cocoa and this fake. And it's a good time. It absolutely is a good time. Any last words about Nutcracker's Delight before we move on to the the next fic? No, I just, I think after that, I just, I love it. It's just, it has it all. And I just, it's just a good time. All the holiday spirit in it. Love it. Cracktacular. <laughs> we give it a, what, 20 out of 10? Because it was just that good. Yeah, 25 out of 10 for like the 25 days of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Siskel and Eber give it a two thumbs up. I mean, so good. Okay, so um, the second and last fic that we are talking about for our snary themed holiday episode. This is one that you wrote, Danny. It is called The Christmas Prince. And I, oh my God, <laughs> I love this fic. It's about blind dating, like blind dates. (laughs) Can I just say, before reading this fic, I never thought about Severus having Riz. But after reading this fic, I feel like Severus had Riz in this fic. He had some moves and some lines and stuff. Right? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, Snape, where'd you get this Riz, bro? Um, Yeah. It's funny. It starts out like at this blind date event that's happening around Christmas time. And I don't know, you know, I was not really sure exactly what to believe about how Severus actually got there to this like blind date thing because he claims, okay, that another professor like bullied him into participating. I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know. I suspect it could have been sneakier than that i don't know oh he he had his plan those uh schemes (laughs) yes it seemed like that but like originally i was writing it from his perspective but part of the way through it was just like i couldn't give a good like christmas festive vibe from his point of view so um I had to scratch it and like rewrite the whole thing from Harry's perspective, which he has more levity of spirit that kind of carried it through and maintained that level of angst alongside the fluffier Christmassy feels of it. Yeah, that vibe. Good choice. Good choice. Because you're right. That would be really difficult to pull off from Snape's point of view because Snape's kind of a Grinch like I am a little bit. And he'd be like, this is terrible yeah it was big like gloom and doom you know um (laughs) it was partially you know he was partially motivated from kind of being bullied into it but it was also sort of like he was successfully bullied into it because he also wanted to be there you know he's not gonna 
do it if he doesn't have, you know, it's not a decision he's actively making. But then part of it is part of what was cut from it because I had to switch perspective was um, I have a headcanon about Severus that I ended up writing in a separate story called Close Enough. And it's that, you know, Severus has feelings for Harry that he doesn't think will ever be requited. So he would go to brothels and seek boys who look similar to Harry. So they have like the dark hair and like jewel colored eyes. And in that fic, he uh, thinks about the fact that, you know, you know, I could use polyjuice to have these Ren boys look like Harry, but he's like, but it wouldn't really be him. So he has this level of like devotion and loyalty to the real Harry. So he wants to maintain that distance. So he's sort of in this in-between state of, I want to have something close, but I don't want to ruin. He doesn't want to taint the real Harry by using polyjuice on these red boys. So that headcanon was in the original version of The Christmas Prince. You could see why this wasn't working, but it was like, you know, he he goes to these rent boys at the brothel and they kind of look like Harry, but he doesn't want to, you know, uh, tarnish the real Harry by, you know. And then he goes into this place and he's sort of like pushed into it in a way. And then he sees that Harry's supposed to be on a date with Draco because that's, how like the whole organization had they had chosen Draco for Harry and Severus was like absolutely not and it was actually sort of on a whim that he's just because he's not afterward he sort of thought it was like he's like I can't believe I did that but he was also very opportunistic and was just like you know what he was just in the right place at the right time and he was in the right feeling of there was enough jealousy and he was already kind of hyped up enough to do this blind dating thing so he did his little trickery so that he was paired up with Harry instead. So um, that's the background. It was like, I usually write knowing the whole story. But in this case, I had written the whole part of Severus's side of it before I had to change track and rewrite it and write it from wholly Harry's perspective. Yeah. It, well, and it turns out that writing it from Harry's perspective was so perfect, right? You kind of have this, I mean, even though you've got the blind date element and everything, there's mystery here to this story because the whole time Harry is mad questioning Snape's motives here. Not only do they complete their blind date, which actually doesn't go half as bad as Harry thinks it's going to go, you know. Severus ended up giving him a compliment during the blind date, which Harry was like, what? You know, <laughs> and um, and then they end up making plans to see each other again the next day. And it kind of just goes on from there where they keep seeing each other. And the whole time, poor Harry is like, why is he doing this? You know, like he doesn't I don't even think he really likes me all that much. Like, what is the purpose of us like seeing each other? And then there's that whole like. Well, we've been seeing each other now for a, a little while now. What are we to each other? And he just can't get Severus pinned down to actually like say out loud what they are to each other. So like there's so much confusion here on Harry's side, but I felt like that really like made the story and brought us to that culminating scene at the end. 
so perfectly. So um, having it from Harry's perspective was really was really perfect. It was so much fun, I have to tell you, to kind of watch the progression here of their relationship. I didn't expect that Severus would be the one to suggest to Harry at the end of the blind date, hey, why don't we meet for lunch tomorrow again, you know? Let me see you again without actually like saying it that way, you know? Um, of course, he has to make it sound like, ugh, this is such an inconvenience to me, but perhaps we can have lunch tomorrow again, you know? <laughs> it's just like... And that was actually sort of the point of the story was one of the big things I really wanted was to show Severus pursuing Harry, which I feel like we don't see a lot. Like it's often Harry just because of, you know, Severus's pride and or insecurity or any other thing. You know, we would never expect it to work or that Harry would return those feelings. So oftentimes it is Harry who has to be the one who steps out and is the one pursuing. So it was interesting to see Severus pursuing, not just pursuing Harry, but pursuing a Harry who didn't have those existing thoughts and feelings that Severus did. And he had to be wooed a bit and seeing how it all unfolded. And it was even more fun from Harry's perspective because, you know, he's confused and curious and intrigued and all these things. And sort of having to showcase the Severus and Severus's journey that I had envisioned without being in his head. So he's very, you know, he is pursuing Harry and he does have those feelings, but he also is still struggling with those insecurities and doubts and his own, you know, inner struggles that make it hard for him to be like, yeah, we're totally boyfriends. Um, so it's more like opportunistic and he sees a chance and it's just this like mad hope of like, let me just try. Like, I love him so much. Like, let me just, like, we're here. It's just this moment. Let me just see if anything could happen. And then it does end up happening. So while Harry is dealing with his confusion, Severus is sort of dealing with confusion on, on his own end and sort of having to maintain that courage to keep going and to figure it out himself and to find it in himself to be romantic and to open up more so i'm really happy with it i love how it came out yeah well that's why i say like severus has riz in this story because he does make the effort i mean you could just imagine on his end like how nerve-wracking this would be because yeah. you're right like this is his one chance i i'm sure that he's thinking in his head this is my one chance if I mess it up, if I screw it up or whatever, like that's it for me, you know, but he takes it anyway. And I was just like, wow, he actually really is trying here because one of the things about this fic is that every time that they end up going on a date or seeing each other, Severus brings Harry flowers. He's trying, right? He's got the riz. He brings him so many different flowers. There were um, poinsettias, of course. Of course. Of course. And then there was something called like snowdrop flowers, which was super cool. Yeah. The description of that was awesome. I also saw, I think there's like amaryllis. Yeah, the candy cane amaryllis. Yes. So it was just like, oh my gosh, which, you know, made me smile because I've read 
enough of your work, Danny, to know that you as a as a writer, a scenery writer, you love incorporating flowers into a lot of your stories. So it's like, oh, this is so perfect. Like, of course, there's flowers in this painting. <laughs> like, I love symbolism. I love flowers. I love, you know, magic, like the snowdrops. Like, snowdrops are a real flower, but they're these are like magically enhanced. So they're like throwing snowballs. And it's just, it was just like a cute, quirky little thing. And like, oh, there's the magical mistletoe when they were at like uh, Neville's uh, tree farm. Yes. So like, it's totally your calling card. It's like your thing that you do with your <laughs> fix is there's going to be flowers and it's brilliant. I can't remember in that tree lot that Neville has, they're like in there in the tree lot and they're standing under that mistletoe. I cannot remember now who kisses who. I think Severus kisses him, but honestly, even I don't remember. I'm going to have to pull it up. <laughs> I don't remember. Now I'm like, wait. Because I think Harry was like tempting him because he went in knowing that it was the matchmaking mistletoe. That's what they're called. And so he kind of like lures Severus out there. But I think Severus is the one who takes the plunge and kisses him. Okay. I thought so. See, there's Snape, like, making he moves. Makes the moves. Bringing flowers, setting dates, making moves. That holiday spirit really just got into him or something. I don't know. <laughs> For sure. And so they're, like, in there. And, like, Harry walks into, like, that room that had, like, the matchmaking mistletoe. And there's also holly overhead. And he walks out. And Severus sort of follows him in. And he says, I didn't know if you, if you were just playing with me or... Harry began, but the words faded away when Severus shifted closer. Their robes brushed. Severus's fingers were cool when they cradled his chin, as was the thumb that brushed gently across his lips. Harry's breath faltered. His lips parted. His eyes closed against a sudden wave of dizziness. Then, Severus's breath was hot on his face and hot on his mouth when the thumb fell away to be replaced by lips. That's why I, was like, I was pretty sure it was Severus because, like, the whole point of this was, like, Severus is the one making all the moves and making the stuff happen. And so He is making the stuff happen, except, except in one area where Harry is super confused because at some point he's wondering, okay, what does this mean exactly? Like, what are we actually doing here? Are we just spending time together? Are we just snogging for fun? Or does this mean something? You know, he keeps hinting around and sort of insisting that Snape is his boyfriend because he's like, look, we're sort of seeing each other. Which is kind of hilarious, actually, because there are several parts in this fic where um, Harry's friends confront him about it and are like, are you dating Snape? Like, what? And he sort of denies it for a while, like, no, you know, we're just friends or hanging out or whatever, <laughs> you know. He's all sus about it for a while, but he really like legitimately is confused about what they're doing. So he tries at several points to sort of push Severus into admitting what they are to each other, you know, and that's the one point of contention in the story where even though Snape is the one making all these moves here, he has a really awful time when he's confronted about actually defining what they are, you know? Yeah. It turns into this fight and everything. I loved that line you put in there where Harry was like 
he was recalling the fight that he and Snape have. I think he was maybe talking to Hermione or something about it later. And Harry says, he was shouting right in my face. And I realized I was in love with him and it was awful. (laughs) (laughs) You know what happens? (laughs) He's ranting and raving and his friends are just like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's when they're like in the heat of passionate, confrontational, you know, argument. That's the point in the story where Harry realizes he's in love with Severus Snape. (laughs) It was so perfect. I love it. Oh, my God. And then... um. I was looking up that scene and <laughs> he's a religious person. It is so funny. It was great. I wanted to strangle him and then I wanted to stalk him silly. And then he walked me home. And her eyes like, oh, I have. And here he goes. And then, and then I told him that he was a good boyfriend. And he told me I was stupid and he was no such thing. So we <laughs> shouted outside of my house for a bit until the neighbors came out to shout at us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's this whole thing where you're just like, oh, my God. But you can totally see that happening between them where there's that like, yeah, that point of contention. And you're just like, what is going on? But then if you think about it, I do feel like like Severus did at some point realize the error of his ways that he couldn't just be stubborn about it forever. So he rectifies the argument with a really beautiful, grand gesture, and it's romantic, and it's, um, this is the part of the story where I feel like you did a really wonderful job incorporating that holiday vibe in it, because it's the scene at the end where Snape is sort of trying to apologize, you know, for being an ass (laughs) and avoiding (laughs) Harry's question, you know, so he shows up where Harry's at with a carriage and it's drawn by, is it horses or is it some other sort of magical creature? I can't remember. It was a sleigh being drawn by, oh, with two winged horses at its front. There we go. Okay. I knew it wasn't like regular horses. I was like, there's something. Okay. Yes. It's like a sleigh, like a Christmas sleigh. And uh, and he just takes Harry on this really beautiful sleigh ride through town and uh, and then I love that part where he like reaches under the seat and pulls out the radio and then puts on the Christmas music. <laughs> like, what a touch, Severus. Like, what a touch. Like, damn, bro. <laughs> I love that he's doing all this stuff and he's kind of being grouchy about it still. <laughs> yeah. Laying it on thick, but being so grouchy about it the whole time. Jesus. <laughs> I love it. And the book. And the book. It was just, it was just beautiful. Like the whole thing. And it ends on a positive note. And yeah, it was just, oh, I love this. And the ending was satisfying and it was just perfect. Yeah, I'm happy. I love it. And I love, I love like those, like just cheesy Christmas romance movies. Like they're just so, I don't know. They're just like a guilty pleasure. They're just fun. And that was just the vibe was just. A nice Christmas romance, feel good, had to have angst because it's snary though. And I really love this. This one was just like, I am having the most indulgence with just the romance and the fun. And I love it. I love it. And I'm glad you loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, you know, it's always fun to kind of pick up on these holiday fix when it's that time of the year. And so these are definitely two that I would recommend to anybody. Um, If you're in the holiday mood and you want some holiday snary, make sure you check these out. Even if you've read them before. Read them again. Yes, because, you know, 
I don't know about you, but I love rereading fan fiction. It's like one of those things I do so often. It's not even funny. Same. So, <laughs> yeah. And you have comfort fix. You just go back to over and over. Yes. Yes, exactly. So these were so much fun to review and go back to in preparation for <laughs> this episode and everything. So we have now been talking about Snary for like two whole hours. Um, we probably better <laughs> let our audience go. But Danny, thank you so much for being here and being so indulgent with me and just like... Anytime. Yes. I love having these episodes where we get to just go crazy on Snary and <laughs> enjoy these self-indulgent things. But thank you again. Yes, so much. And I know you're going to accomplish like amazing, great things in 2024. Thanks. We both are. We're going to, I don't even know. We're just going to do great stuff and it's going to be awesome. We're going to crush it. We're going to crush it. And everybody out there listening to us right now is going to crush it too. That's right. Yes. Whether your plans are big or small for 2024, I know that we're all going to have a year that's going to have wonderful things in it for all of us at some point. Again, thank you to Perverse Idol and Winsbane for allowing us to talk about their fic today. Much love. And yeah, just uh, happy holidays to everybody celebrating. Thank you again so much to everybody who listened and supported Fanfic Maverick this year in 2023. Looking forward to an amazing 2024. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at fanficmaverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling. 